Psalm 65 has, has really spoke to me this week. I want to I want to tell you. Uh, I'm going to read the chapter, and then I'm going to put it in context of, of how the Lord spoke to me. This is not the message, but it, it's it's too good. We're going to actually be going to uh, to another location for the for the sermon this morning. But Psalm 65 is just uh, an awesome song of praise for God's goodness and for His love. And as we've been singing the song, as Pete and Megan have led us in His grace and His goodness and His love for us. And uh, we need to be reminded of that uh, at all times, but especially in, in, un, uh, in new times, in times that we've not went through before, things that we've been experiencing that have never thought we'd experienced before unless we have the last six or seven or eight weeks. And this is a powerful chapter. Let me just share it with you. It says, What mighty praise, O God, belongs to you in Zion. We will fulfill our vows to you, for you answer our prayers, and to you all people will come. Though our hearts are filled with sins, you forgive them all. What joy for those you choose to bring near, those who live in your holy courts. What joy awaits us inside your holy temple. You faithfully answer our prayers with awesome deeds, O God our Savior. You are the hope of everyone on earth, even those who sail on distant seas. You formed the mountains by your power and armed yourself with mighty strength. You quieted the raging oceans with their pounding waves and silenced the shouting of the nations. Those who live at the end of the earth stand in awe of your wonders. For from where the sun rises to where it sets, you inspire shouts of joy. You take care of the earth and water it, making it rich and fertile. The rivers of God will not run dry. They provide a bountiful harvest of grain. For you have ordered it so. You drench the plowed ground with rain, melting the clods and leveling the ridges. You soften the earth with showers and bless its abundant crops. You crown the year with a bountiful harvest. Even the hard pathways overflow with abundance. The wilderness becomes a lush pasture and the hillsides blossom with joy. The meadows are clothed with flocks of sheep and the valleys are carpeted with grain. They all shout and sing for joy. Well, let me tell you now what brought this psalm to my mind. It was was Monday morning. And uh, like some of you, this, uh, this uh, transition or this crazy time that we've been in has, has, has brought out the honeydew list around our house. And uh, I'm like Ron this morning, I asked him if he was getting caught up on the honeydew list and he kind of chuckled and he said every time he marks something out, Stacy adds something to the bottom of it. And uh, she said, just a new one on the way to church this morning. So I was, was kind of Monday morning, I started doing some weed eating and doing some work in the garden. And it's beautiful, supposed to be a warm day, and the sun was shining. And I was out there, and I thought, well, this feels kind of, it still feels cool. It feels nice. And, and I looked up, and I saw the, the trees. The leaves were, were coming out on the trees. And I thought, now, God, that is so cool. Uh, you know, in the, in the summer, when the sun comes out and it's hot, you've, in your creation, in, in your wisdom, you've put leaves to come out on the trees to give us shade. And I said, by the way, since I'm thinking about this, Lord, and in, in the fall, when we need more vitamin D and more sunlight, you've designed it that, that, that the trees would shed their leaves in so we can get that warmth and that sunlight. And, I, and it just this epiphany came to me, and I thought, you are, you, are, you are doggone wise, Lord. You are really wise. Now, listen, and I, I really was, I, I mean, I, I'm sitting out there, and I'm really getting excited thinking about this, and, and I'm thinking, you know, this is, I've got to tell Barbie how wise God is. So I go to the house, and I say, honey, I just want to tell you, let me just tell you what I've realized. 
And I said, God is so wise. And she looked at me like maybe he's had a heat stroke or something in the garden. Uh, yeah, he is. No, I said, you don't, you don't understand how wise he is. Now, I, I, and I told her about the leaves and everything, and she just nodded. And I'm sure she was thinking, Drew, most people get this by the time they're nine, Levi. And, and I'm only 60 years late. I'm 69, and I'm realizing, oh, this is pretty awesome. But it was just speaking to me of, of God's love and God's care uh, for his creation. Uh, and I remember with his care and with his love and with his grace and his goodness, it's, it's awesome. And it's awesome to us. It's a reminder to us every day. Well, I want you to go with me now to the book of 2 Kings, because in 2 Kings is a message this morning. I'm thinking of the goodness of God and the greatness of God. Uh, this is one of my, I love this story from the Old Testament. And uh, we, in, the, in the first part of chapter 6, uh, I, we talk about the floating axe head there with Elisha. We talk about the, uh, the, God, the prophet praying and God opening the spiritual eyes and letting people see, letting the servants see the armies of God are encamped around Elisha. But in, in, we're going to pick up, I'm going to read a verse starting in 24 and 25 that's going to set the, uh, the stage. But while I do that, I just want to say, Eddie, we're sure praying for Miss Kay, right? Continuing to pray for her and your family in that. Verse 24 of, of 2 Kings 6 says, Sometime later, however, King Ben-Hadad of Aram mobilized his entire army and besieged Samaria. As a result, there was a great famine in the city. After a while, even a donkey's head sold for two pounds of silver. And a cup of dove's dung cost about two ounces of silver. Now, there, this our Aramean army has besieged the whole city of Samaria. <clears throat> and uh, soon food supplies begin to, to get short. And uh, it gets so bad. Matter of fact, it gets so bad that Jensen Franklin, uh, one time in preaching a message on this, said it went from bad to unbearable. And as you read the rest of chapter 6, you see how unbearable it, it's gotten. Uh, that they, people were even resorting to cannibalism there in the city. And it, it, it's, it's, it's that desperate. It's so desperate. I, I can't imagine that a donkey's head is probably not the, I don't know what the choice cut of a donkey would be, you know. Uh, but but uh, I can't imagine the donkey's head. I, it, I told first service, Colleen, it reminded me of Daryl's hogneck. Uh, and I know God love him. But uh, several years ago, we, we had this experience and I've loved it. Uh, good, good. Daryl and Colleen were, were out and shopping, and so they Daryl saw this piece of meat, and he decided this looks good. It's priced right. We're gonna take it, and we'll put that on in the morning. I was trying to be nice. It, 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 it's, it's cheap. Colleen said it was cheap. It was that's reasonably priced. It was cheap, and uh, and so he thinks we'll we'll put this on. And, uh, and when we come home from church tomorrow, then we'll fix the stuff to go with it. And, you know, we'll have a Sunday dinner. And, of course, we, we joke it, we laugh about it because I think when they got home and took the lid off, it was so much fat. It was just all fat and skin. That was what was left. I think you had Kentucky Fried Chicken maybe that, that Sunday. But, uh, but this, it's, times have got so hard that there's, that there's no food. And if there, if there is food, it costs so much you can't buy it. Uh, Evelyn was sharing this morning, she, they've been in touch with Homer Lanier over in, in Lebanon. And Homer and Mimi live in, in Beirut. And he was telling her that things are tough. 
that there's, their food supplies are, are running out. There's, a, there's very little food. And he says the inflation rate for the food that if, if you can find food, you probably can't afford to buy. So, so things around the, the, the world are getting tough. Things were tough here in Samaria. It's, this town is besieged. It's, it's, it's under siege. Now I want you to skip with me. We're going down to chapter 7. Um, and, and we're going to kind of pick it up at verse 1. It says, Elijah then replied. Uh, the king came to Elijah. The, the king was blaming uh, Elijah all the troubles on God. Hey, it's, it's, you, it's, you, it's you crazy religious people. And he was, he was really, he had, he had sent to, to capture or to kill Elijah. But the king comes and Elijah speaks to him. And he said, listen, hear this message from the Lord. This is what the Lord says. By this time tomorrow, in the markets of Samaria, five quarts of fine flour will cost a half ounce of silver. And ten quarts of barley grain will cost only a half ounce of silver. And then the officer, one of the king's officers assisting the king, said to Elijah, This couldn't happen even if the Lord opened the windows of heaven. But Elijah replied, You'll see it happen, but you won't be able to eat any of it. Wow. Now, I was, I was reading this and I was thinking, man, God spoke. Elijah said, I've got a word for you, king, from the Lord. And I was thinking that today, more than anything else that we need, is we need a word from God. During the last six or seven weeks, uh, the ministry staff, and I know Pastor Jeff and, and Pete and, and the entire ministry staff, Daryl, Mildred, Craig, and all of us have been praying, Lord, we, we need to hear from you. What, what do you want us to share? Words of hope, words of encouragement, words of comfort, words of challenge, uh, you know, to, to keep our focus on him because that's what we need. We need a word from the Lord. And as critical as reopening uh, is, and we, a lot of times we anxiously uh, await you know, the, the, the word from the governor, a new press conference or a press release or a word from the White House or, or, or something. And that's okay. That's okay. But most important of all is we need a word from the Lord. And, and Elijah said, King, I've got a word from the Lord for you. Because God's, God can change everything. God's word can change everything in a moment. Everything. Our situation, our circumstances, he can change us. Now, I was just thinking about this again. God spoke the power of God's word. God spoke, and he spoke creation into being. Everything that we see, he spoke it into being with perfect order. The leaves to, to shade us in the summer and the leaves to uh, fall off and give us more access to that vitamin D and that sunlight in the winter. And listen to me. I'm, I'm, I'm amazed, and I'm wondering how God could do this without a scientist to advise him. I don't know if you're like I am. I, uh, Barbara and I were, were sitting watching TV. We was probably watching some religious program. I don't know. But uh, a couple, three weeks ago, maybe longer now, but all of a sudden this, this, this commercial comes on, and the commercial says, we are so thankful for science. Science is going to save us from this. Did any of you heard that commercial yet? And, and when I first heard it, I cringed because I thought, that's blasphemy, man. But, but people, and their people are putting their hopes in scientists. Now, there's nothing wrong with, with good science, especially if it's based on the truth of God's word. 
But our hope is not in science. Our hope is in the Lord. And there's, no, there's nothing wrong with good panelists and good doctors. But our hope is not in them. Our hope is in the Lord. So I was just thinking about this. Lord, how did, you, how did you do all creation without a scientist to advise you or without a panel of experts to tell you how to do it? Well, the first thing would have said it's impossible. They would have said, you can't do that. You can't create anything from nothing. Who do you think you are, God? You know? And of course, the answer is, yeah, by the way, since that you've mentioned it, that's who I, who I am. So he spoke all this into being with his word. And with one word from God today, we can find hope, we can find help, we can find life, we can find comfort, we can find encouragement to to help us and to be with us in the toughest times that we face. For some people, that may be these times. For others, others have lived through even tougher times. But But it's a word from God that we need more than anyone else. But I want to tell you, when God speaks, it's not unusual for there to be those skeptics around, is there? Huh? It's okay. You know, we, when, when we had, uh, early on, we had uh, different leaders were calling for prayer and saying, hey, let's pray. God's people, let's pray. And I believe the church is mobilized in our prayers and praying for the leaders of our nation, praying for the conditions of the world. We still have missionaries. First service we had, Carlos and Esperanza from Colombia. They came for our mission conference. <laughs> and uh, so it's going to be their, their country. Colombia saying you might come home in July. Now that would be pretty interesting. And I hope you packed a lot of extra underwear. You're going to come in for a week, and now you're here for about four or five months. That'll you know that'll do. Uh, but we we have missionaries. We still have missionaries. VJ is still in Rochester, New York, and he came for a missions conference. He spoke here right at the first of, of March. And uh, his family is still in India. His church in India is ministering without him. He's, he's doing uh, social media stuff where he's sending out messages and staying in touch. But things change. Things change quickly. But you've got those skeptics that say, well, you can pray all you want to. But we're going to put our trust in, in, in medicine. We're going to put our trust in finding a vaccine. We're going to put our trust in finding treatment. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. But it's wrong if you put your trust in that. Because our trust is in the Lord. And our trust is in God's word. Well, here you have, here you have uh, uh, Elisha with his word from the, from the Lord. And then you've got this king, one of these king's assistants. He'd be a high-ranking official. He would be with the king. And this high-ranking official says, basically in verse 2, he says, well, that's impossible. That's impossible. The conditions in the city today are this bad. You know how bad they are. And do you think that that can change by tomorrow? Do you think that even if God opened the windows of heaven, that he could, and, and do you think he could change that tomorrow? I want to tell you something. When God decides to do something, he can do it pretty fast. Uh, I mean, he can get on with this program. When he decides to change, he can change things that quickly by his word. So you've got this word from the Lord, and you've got this skeptic. Now, as Paul Harvey would say, I want you to pick up with me the rest of the story. And we're going to pick it up in verse, in verse 3 now of uh, where are we? First, 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 3. It says, now, 2 Kings. Did I say Samuel? 2 Kings. Now there were four men with leprosy sitting at the entrance of the city gates. And uh, we got these we got these. Guys, they are outside the, the, the city because they're, they're not allowed in. They're 
It's incurable, very high contagious disease. Okay? So they're, they're not sheltering in place. They've been displaced, and they're put outside. And we kind of get inside. We get a lot of conversations that God gives us in this story, and I love that. So these four lepers are there, and they say, why should we sit here waiting to die? They ask each other. We'll starve if we stay here. And if we go back into the city, we'll starve. So we might as well go out and surrender to the Aramean army. If they let us live, hey, that's pretty good. But if they kill us, we would have died anyway. Pretty good title would be, why do we sit here and die? Let's get up and try. All right? So we got, we got, this, we got this, this thinking going on. And help's going to come from most of the uh, most unlikely places. These, these lepers are there. And, uh, and they said, and they said uh, hey, it, we're, we're dying. If we go in the city, we're going to die. We might as well go, turn us to go over to the enemy. If they've got food, that's great. But if they kill us, we'd be dead anyway. You know, they, they've changed now. They're, cha- they've, they're changing their way of their thinking. And they're going to do something different. Somebody defined insanity one time as doing the same old thing the same old way and expecting a different result. You ever, ever heard of that? Some of you kind of, I know. Sometimes I think I've been on that merry-go-round. So let's look at it. What happens? So that evening, uh, verse 5, that evening they went out to the camp of the Arameans, but no one was there. For the Lord had caused the whole army of Aram to hear the clatter of speeding chariots, the galloping of horses, and the sounds of a great army approaching. The king of Israel has hired the Hittites and the Egyptians to attack us, they cried. So they, in panic, they leave, they, they flee, they leave their horses, they leave their donkeys, they leave their tents, they leave all their, their clothes and all their everything. They flee for their lives. Now, this is almost a time out. It doesn't say this. It's kind of a Jerry Helton warped way of thinking. So you just... So just take that for what it's worth, probably, probably as much as you pay for it, not much. Um, but I'm, I'm thinking, these four lepers, and they're thinking, what have we got to lose? So about sundown, they get up and they will start going toward the camp. Now, what we do know is that the scripture says that for, the, for this thousands of army, what they hear is the, is the armies approaching, chariots, horses, troops, and it, it scares them to death. They flee. I'm thinking... Lord, what if it was just eight little feet of those four little lepers that are walking toward the camp that you used to let them hear all these thousands? That's so cool. Again, that's just me. It really doesn't matter. It doesn't add to or take from the story. What happens is when they get to the camp is what they find out. But notice this. There's something that stood out to me also here. And and that's pretty cool. Is that these lepers get up and they walk toward the enemy they walk toward the enemy reminded me of another story in old in the old testament right this is the second samuel or samuel it's the story of david you remember when david went out to fight the giant goliath and i love that story they go they go out and they, david's got his is he picked up his stones goliath's got his his, his armor bearer her shield his shield carrier and this big spear and his sword and they do the trash talking Okay, 
They do the trash talking. The glass, man, you're, you're a puppy. I'm going to whip you. I'll, I'll tear you apart and feed you to the birds, you know. And David trash talks him. You big guy, you'll hit the ground low like a big tree, and I'm going to cut your head off. So they've done the trash talking. And then if you read the story, what happens, it says that David runs toward Goliath. Now, that must have kind of took him by surprise. That's kind of cool. You remember, and remember, you remember reading in, in Ephesians the, uh, about the armor of God? I mean, God's given us all we need, but there's nothing for the back. You've heard people preach that. You looked at it. There's nothing to cover the back. Why? Because God has given us everything we need to face the enemy head on. He's given the sword of, of, of the spirit. He's given us the word of God. He's given us a helmet of salvation, the shield of faith. To face the enemy. And so here are these guys in their fear. Here are these guys in their desperation. Have changed their way of thinking. now, And they, they go to the enemy camp. But what they find when they get there is pretty cool. Let me, let me share something. Last week was Mother's Day. Now it seems like a long time away. Uh, and Lori brought. I'm going to try this. I'm not good at flowers. I like daisies. I can know. But I think they're coleuses. Coleuses. Whatever. They're, they're beautiful. She brought all, a bunch of these. And we had the flowers, and it was amazing to see you come by and pick those up. And some of you got hanging baskets, and, and that's pretty awesome and pretty cool. And, and I, I just, it just I, I loved it. I read this about for Mother's Day. It doesn't have anything to do with what I'm saying here necessarily, but it's just too good. I'm going to share it with you. And the name is Joanne Clancy. And this, she was speaking to some women, and this is what she said. Be the kind of woman who, when your feet hit the floor each morning... The devil says, oh, no, she's up. Isn't that awesome? The kind of woman that the devil fears because he fears her prayers. Isn't that that awesome? Oh, wow. And the kind of woman, the kind of man that wakes up and says, oh, Lord, okay, Lord, what what you got for us today? What you got for us? Whatever you've got for us, Lord, I'm all in with you. You know, it's like that, the ant and the elephant. That's my great, I love that, that illustration. Ain't the elephant cross the bridge. They get on the other side, and the ain't looks up the elephant and said, we shook her, didn't we, big boy? That's, that's, that's me and the Lord. With the Lord, we can do anything. You know? So here, the, here, here are these lepers. They, they go into the camp. Let's pick it up in verse 5. Let's uh, uh, see, verse 8. So when the lepers arrived at the edge of the camp, they went into the first tent. One tent after another. Eating. Drinking, carrying out silver and gold and clothing and hiding them. I can they go in there. Here's you know here's a big chicken leg. I don't know they didn't probably eat chicken, but here's food, and they eat this food and they eat all they want and, and they drinking. Man, they they hadn't they've been on starvation rations. They hadn't even had food for day. they go they go to another. Man, I know I got a text from my wife from my daughter this morning, Sarah. You appreciate this. I showed Sarah. Paige said, Dad, please eat something before you go to church this morning. I, listen, I was not wearing a mic last week when we recorded that service, but, and, I, and I had no idea that my stomach was growling that much. And, and I want to tell you, I had a, I, Henry, Henry, uh, Henry came in this morning and he said, I, I, I took one for you last week. And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, Sharon and I were watching the service and he said, when your stomach started growling, she thought it was me. And he said, she looked over and said, Henry, do something. And he said, it just took us a minute to realize it wasn't me. So he said, I took one for you this morning. So, so these guys, you know, their stomachs is way past growling. But they go in there and they found, they, they hit the jackpot. Food. Not only food, not only stuff to drink and eat, 
But here's, oh, here's loot. Here's bounty, man. Clothes, silver, gold. And what they do, they, they stuff themselves. And then they go out and they bury a bunch of silver and gold. And then all of a sudden, notice what happens to them. It says, finally, in verse 9, they said to each other, hey, this ain't right. This is wonderful news, and we aren't sharing it with anyone. This, this, this is, listen, God always, seems like God always provides extra. You remember the, remember the story of the New Testament there of the little boy with his fish and chips? Remember that? At lunch, and, and Jesus blesses it, and they feed 5,000 plus, they feed thousands of people, and then Jesus says, hey, pick up the leftovers, man. Leftovers? Yeah, 12 basketfuls of leftovers. Now, I love leftovers. Barbie came up with a name several years ago at our house. She called it Must Go. I said, well, the first time she said that, she, I said, what are we going to have tonight? She said, Must Go. I said, and I thought she's, I thought that, man, that sounds pretty ex- exquisite. She's fixing some kind of new dish. And I go in there, I said, well, this is stuff we had last night. She said, I know it. She said, this must go before I fix something else. All right, right, so so that's the leftovers. So these guys are there, and they realize there's more than we could ever eat. There's enough for everyone. And what we're doing by hoarding it and keeping it to ourselves ain't good. Now I'm going to. Let me read this. I'm going to share two or three points that that I I take away from this that I think we can apply in our lives where we are today. So they said, this is not good. This is wonderful news. If we wait, verse 9 says, if we wait till morning, some terrible calamity will certainly fall upon us. Come on, let's go back and tell the people at the palace. Verse 10. So they go back to the city and they're still not allowed in. But they holler up to the people on the gates. They tell them what's happened and that they've gone to the Aramean camp and nobody was there. And, they, and, they're, and, they're, and I, can, I can imagine what I'm saying. You know, he's eating and holding his tummy. He said, man, we, did we pig out? Did we eat? And, uh, and, not, and not only that, there's plenty there for everybody in the, in the town. I don't know if they told him about hiding the gold or not. But uh, the gatekeepers down shout the news down. To, to, to let the king know. The king in his wisdom in verse 12. He's got it figured out. The king gets up out of bed in the middle of the night. And he tells his officers. Hey I know what they're up to. Who, who, where did the news come from? Well it came from those. The, the lepers that sat at the gate. Yeah right. The ones we kicked out. Yeah it's from them. But hey they, they declare it's truth. And we even heard them. You know, we even heard them burping big. They, they've got something on their tummy. Nah he didn't say that. Just, I'm just throwing it in. Okay. And the king said, no, this is what happened. The Arameans know we're starving. So they've set this trap. They've left this food cooking so they know we can smell it just to torment us. And when we come out of the, of, of the city, they're, they're hiding in the bushes around and they're going to kill us and capture the city. Always a skeptic. Always got it figured, figured out. So one of his officers says, hey, at least we could do is check it out. If we, let's take five of the horses that remain. Let's go check it out. And if they, if they don't come back, we've not lost anything. But it, it might be true. Verse 14, so they send two chariots with horses. They go all the way to the Jordan. And all they find is a, is a trail of clothes and equipment and stuff that the armies have left alive. Verse 
16 says, Then the people of Samaria rushed out and plundered the Aramean camp. So it was true that five quarts of fine flour were sold that day for half an ounce of silver, and ten quarts of barley grain were sold for half an ounce of silver, just as the Lord had promised. But remember the officer? Then the king appointed his officer to control the traffic at the gate, but it was worse than Black Friday at Walmart. He was knocked down and trampled to death as the people rushed out. He saw it, but he never enjoyed it. Three things I took away from this is one, that these lepers, as they changed their way of thinking, as they realized the desperateness of the situation, and as they, as they took stock of the alternatives, they, when they went to the camp, they were excited. They heard everything was gone. One tent after another. Food. Clothes. Stuff to drink. Money. Gold. Silver. They were excited, man. One of the choir songs, one of the first songs the choir ever learned and sang many, many years ago now was, Get All Excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is King. I was so excited Monday morning to realize how wise God was. He'd put leaves on the trees in the summer to give us shade. I mean, just think about that. But listen, they were excited. Are you excited about the Lord this morning? Let me ask you this. Are you as excited now as you were when you realized what God had done for you when he saved you and when he forgave you? I can remember... One of my earliest memories of, of being with dad is dad drove a, a feed truck and he worked for, for Gary's dad and uh, Gary's uncle. And they, the chicken business was big in North Georgia at the time and they had a feed mill. So dad would drive to Cartersville and he would bring back feed to, to here and then they would distribute it out to the, to the different chicken houses, chicken farms. And I remember I was just a nine-year-old boy and I was riding, get, got to ride with daddy. That was a big deal. School was out and I was riding with daddy. We were coming back up the road from Cartersville and I remember saying to dad, daddy, it felt so good to get saved. I wish I could do it again. Not realizing that, hey, this, this excitement, this joy doesn't have to go away. Matter of fact, it can grow every day. Every day with Jesus can be sweeter than the day before. Every day with Jesus, we can love him more and more. If you don't love him more now than you did last week, why not? Why not? If you're not as excited now as you was last month, why not? We need to stay excited about who Jesus is. Hey, these are days of opportunity. Uh, one thing I love, and I just, uh, I, I, there's so much to love about Pastor Jeff besides his wife and family. They're, 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 they're enough reason to love him. It's like Megan and Peter, just knowing, at least knowing the boys and, and Sarah. But uh, one thing I love is we're Tuesday night, trustee meeting. And, and Jeff comes in at 7 o'clock. And he, he kind of gives us an update. And he comes in and President, uh, Governor Kemp in Georgia had just did a press conference, 4.30 Tuesday afternoon. And it was at that press conference that uh, the governor said, hey, we're going to allow day camps, but we're not going to allow any overnight camps in Georgia. And, and Jeff played that. And, but immediately, rather than, rather than focusing on, oh, no, this is, man, I don't know what we're going to do. You know, this is, this, is the way, this is the way we had it planned. This is the way we had the ministry now. Now, 
I don't know what we're going to do. You know what I said? He said, hey, this may change our method, but this can't affect our ministry. We're going to minister to the youth. We're going to minister to the church. We may have to change our methods. We may have to you know, do, do different things, folks. We're Zooming. I'm Zooming right along. Don't know anything about that. Even God on a Zoom this week. So if, you've not, if you're not joining us Wednesday night prayer service, you can join us on Zoom. You got youth groups meeting on Zoom. We got men's Bible study on Thursday morning. We're Zooming along, you know. Uh, we may change our methodology, but there are days of opportunity. And we need to be excited about who God is and what God's doing. I believe that God, I know God has a plan. You know, he didn't wait until me. All of a sudden, God said, well, well Helton, I never thought about how wise I was. I'm glad you reminded me of that. Yeah? He, he, he loves us enough. He's wise enough. He cares enough. Stay excited about him. Not only that, they were excited about this. But notice this. They knew the great need of the people still inside the walls because they had been there. The enemy, the people behind the walls didn't realize that the enemy had been defeated. There's people today that are hiding. And, and listen, I understand, I understand self-shelter or shelter in place. I understand, and I think the word is, Jeff used so often here, is prudent and wise. And I understand that. And, and we, the, the word is that you, you be comfortable. You pray about it. You come when you're ready to come. But we, we've got ways so that you can watch on, on YouTube archive if you can't watch it live at 11 you can watch it several times during the week that's pretty awesome you know and Craig has been at his best during this time he's always good but he's just excelled last week at Mother's Day I was I was overwhelmed with uh, with the way he put together everything you know so there's people though that are sheltering in place and there's people that are that are that are hearing the news every day and they're doing this without Jesus Christ. Now, I can't imagine that. I, I, I cannot. I mean, been there. Know what it's like. Every one of you have. Before you came to faith in Christ. But can you imagine? I wouldn't want to go back to that, would you? Where would my hope be? Where would my hope be? It'd have to be. In, you know, if your hope's not in the Lord, where would it be? So these guys were excited. But these guys also knew it was a day of good news. And they had the good news for the ones that were still in bondage. Folks, we got good news. We got the best news in the world. And the best news in the world, listen, the viruses are going to come and go. Pandemics are going to come and go. Black plagues are going to come and go. Kingdoms are going to rise and fall. People are going to be born and they're going to die. But listen to me. God has created with every man, every woman, and he's breathing to them his breath of life, and they're a living soul. And we're going to live eternally someplace in heaven or in hell. And the good news is we know that Jesus died. His blood breaks every chain. That means it not only frees us from the penalty and from the power of sin, but, it, it, but he, he frees us from that presence in our life he frees us to live in relationship with him so they were excited and they were excited and they had good news and they said we need to share this good news we need to be sharing what God is doing in our lives there's people that are that are dying literally for good news the third thing I'm closing with this is that they knew that eventually there would be a day of reckoning hey 
if we stay here tomorrow, somebody, somebody's going to find out, and we're going to have to give an answer of why we didn't share. Jeff, this past Tuesday, did a great, great, great uh, devotion. Two greats, two thumbs up. But it was on, uh, it was on Romans chapter 14. And boys just continued to speak to me all week. Uh, and it's, it's, it's the wisdom in God's word. <laughs> there it is again. But the, the, in the midst of uh, Romans 14, where it's telling us, hey, don't be critical of each other. If, if you feel comfortable wearing a mask, wear a mask. Don't make fun of those who don't. If you don't wear a mask, don't wear a mask, but don't make fun of those who do. If you worship on one day of the week, don't make fun of those who worship another day of the week. You know, if you eat meat, Romans 14 says, if you eat meat and somebody else don't eat meat, don't get all, all excited about them. Tell them how bad there it is because they're putting meat in their body. Enjoy your pork chop, but let them do what they want to do. Because in the midst of that, he goes on down there in verse 14 of cha- uh, chapter 14 of Romans. And he says, for there come a time when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he's Lord. The songs that we sang this morning, every knee's going to bow. We'll bow down. Let's bow down now. And then the, the chapter 14 says, because every one of us will one day stand and give an account to God for what we've done. We'll give an account for that which he has blessed us with. Are we, have we been excited? Have we been willing to share it with those who are still needing to hear that good news? There's a day of reckoning. And I want to hear my Lord say, one day, help you did good. You did good. Well done, good and faithful servant. You too. What an awesome God. What days of privilege. What days of opportunity. And I want to tell you, Henry Blackaby talks about, you remember, you remember some of you went through this experience in God. It's a good study, Henry Blackaby. If you hadn't done it, it's a good study. But he talks about in that study that uh, God will bring us to a crisis of uh, belief. He brings us to, a, to an intersection of, of, of our faith in him and, and, and maybe faith in others or what we see or ourselves. And he brings us to that place because he wants us to be able to look and say, no, I'm trusting you. I'm trusting you. So this morning, wherever you find yourself in that crisis of belief, know this, that when God chooses to work, He can do it right then. He can do it overnight. You've got to be kidding. There's no way in the world this this attendant to the kings. There's no way in the world that could ever happen. It'll happen if God says it. Put your trust, put your faith in him. It's good good to be back together. Uh, I'm going to pray. And uh, Peter's got a closing song for us. And we've got prayer warriors this morning. I thank Lori and Phil are here. And uh, if you, they'd love to hear. They're here to, to pray with you. They're here to pray with you. So if you have anything you'd like to pray with them about, anything whatsoever, come down and, and they'll be glad to talk with you uh, after service. They'll come, they're going to come down as, as, as Peter sings. Let's pray. Father, this morning, what a reminder that you're good. You're great. You're worthy of all our praise. You're worthy of all the honor. You're worthy... Lord, because you are the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. You love us that much. It's about people. It's about men and women, boys and girls. Father, kingdoms come and kingdoms go and economies rise and fall and all those kinds of things. But Lord, help us to keep our eyes on you and be excited about what you're doing as your kingdom 
is being built. And Lord, help us not only to be excited, but help us to be excited about sharing that good news that you are a God that is in control. And you're worthy. You're so awesome. Now, Lord, do in our lives that which you choose to do today. Lord, may we, may we love you more than we did yesterday. May we see your greatness and your goodness and delight in who you are. In Christ I pray. Amen.